the second century of centuries of meditations part four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by nicole lee centuries of meditations by thomas Traherne. the second century part four seventy six these things shall never be seen with your bodily eyes but in a more perfect manner you shall be present with them in your understanding you shall be in them to the very centre and they in you as light is in a piece of crystal so shall you be with every part and excellency of them an act of the understanding is the presence of the soul which being no body but a living act is a pure spirit and mysteriously fathomless in its true dimensions by an act of the understanding therefore be present now with all the creatures among which you live and hear them in their beings and operations praising god in an heavenly manner some of them vocally others in their ministry all of them naturally and continually we infinitely wrong ourselves by laziness and confinement all creatures in all nations and tongues and people praise god infinitely and the more for being your soul and perfect treasures you are never what you ought till you go out of yourself and walk among them seventy seven were all your riches here in some little place all other places would be empty it is necessary therefore for your contentment and true satisfaction that your riches be dispersed everywhere whether is more delightful to have some few private riches in one and all other places void or to have all places everywhere filled with our proper treasures certainly to have treasures in all places for by that means we are entertained everywhere with pleasures are everywhere at home honoured and delighted everywhere enlarged and in our own possessions but to have a few riches in some narrow bounds though we should suppose a kingdom full would be to have our delights limited and infinite spaces dark and empty wherein we might wander without satisfaction so that god must of necessity to satisfy his love give us infinite treasures and we of necessity seek for our riches in all places seventy eight the heavens and the earth serve you not only in shewing unto you your father's glory as all things without you are your riches and enjoyments but as within you also they magnify beautify and illuminate your soul for as the sunbeams illuminate the air and all objects yet are themselves also illuminated by them so fareth it with the powers of your soul the rays of the sun carry light in them as they pass through the air but go on in vain till they meet an object and there they are expressed they illuminate a mirror and are illuminated by it for a looking-glass without them would be in the dark and they without the glass unperceived there they revive and overtake themselves and represent the effigies from whence they came both of the sun and heavens and trees and mountains if the glass be seated conveniently to receive them which were it not that the glass were present there one would have thought even the ideas of them absent from the place even so your soul in its rays and powers is unknown and no man would believe it present everywhere were there no objects there to be discerned your thoughts and inclinations pass on and are unperceived but by their objects are discerned to be present being illuminated by them for they are present with them and active about them they receive and feel themselves and by those objects live in employment being turned into the figure and idea of them for as light varieth upon all objects whither it cometh and returneth with the form and figure of them so is the soul transformed into the being of its object like light from the sun its first effigies is simple life the pure resemblance of its primitive fountain but on the object which it meeteth it is quickly changed and by understanding becometh all things seventy nine objective treasures are always delightful and though we travail endlessly 
to see them all our own is infinitely pleasant and the further we go the more delightful if they are all ours wholly and solely and yet nevertheless every one's too it is the most delightful accident that is imaginable for thereby two contrary humours are at once delighted and two inclinations that are both in our natures yet seem contradictory are at once satisfied the one is the avaricious humour and love of propriety whereby we refer all unto ourselves and naturally desire to have all alone in our private possession and to be the alone and single end of all things this we perceive ourselves because all universally and everywhere is ours the other is the communicative humour that is in us whereby we desire to have companions in our enjoyments to tell our joys and to spread abroad our delights and to be ourselves the joy and delight of other persons for thousands enjoy all as well as we and are the end of all and god communicateth all to them as well as us and yet to us alone because he communicateth them to us and maketh them our rich and glorious companions to whom we may tell our joys and be blessed again how much ought we to praise god for satisfying two such insatiable humours that are contrary to each other one would think it impossible that both should be pleased and yet his divine wisdom hath made them helpful and perfective to each other eighty infinite love cannot be expressed in finite room but must have infinite places wherein to utter and shew itself it must therefore fill all eternity and the omnipresence of god with joys and treasures for my fruition and yet it must be expressed in a finite room by making me able in a centre to enjoy them it must be infinitely expressed in the smallest moment by making me able in every moment to see them all it is both ways infinite for my soul is an infinite sphere in a centre by this way you know that you are infinitely beloved god hath made your spirit a centre in eternity comprehending all and filled all about you in an endless manner with infinite riches which shine before you and surround you with divine and heavenly enjoyments eighty one few will believe the soul to be infinite yet infinite is the first thing which is naturally known bounds and limits are discerned only in a secondary manner suppose a man were born deaf and blind by the very feeling of his soul he apprehends infinite about him infinite space infinite darkness he thinks not of wall and limits till he feels them and is stopped by them that things are finite therefore we learn by our senses but infinity we know and feel by our souls and feel it so naturally as if it were the very essence and being of the soul the truth of it is it is individually in the soul for god is there and more near to us than we are to ourselves so that we cannot feel our souls but we must feel him in that first of properties infinite space and this we know so naturally that it is the only primo et necessario cognitum in rerum natura of all things the only first and most necessarily known for we can unsuppose heaven and earth and annihilate the world in our imagination but the place where they stood will remain behind and we cannot unsuppose or annihilate that do what we can which without us is the chamber of our infinite treasures and within us the repository and recipient of them eighty two what shall we render unto god for this infinite space in our understandings since in giving us this he hath laid the foundation of infinite blessedness manifested infinite love and made us in capacity infinite creatures in this he hath glorified and gratified infinite goodness exerted infinite power and made himself thereby infinitely delightful and infinitely great in being lord and upholder of such infinite creatures for being holy everywhere his omnipresence was holy in every centre and he could do no more than what would bear communicate himself holy in every centre his nature and essence being the foundation of his power and of our happiness of his glory and our greatness of his goodness and our satisfaction for we could never believe that he loved us infinitely unless he exerted all his power for katadinamin is one of the principal properties of love as well as ekonoi enika to the utmost of its power as well as for his sake eighty three 
he therefore hath not only made us infinite treasures only in extent and souls infinite to see and enjoy them which is to measure and run parallel with them but in depth also they are everywhere infinite being infinite in excellency and the soul is a miraculous abyss of infinite abysses an undrainable ocean an unexhausted fountain of endless oceans when it will exert itself to fill and fathom them for if it were otherwise man is a creature of such noble principles and severe expectations that could he perceive the least defect to be in the deity it would infinitely displease him the smallest distaste spreading like a cloud from a hand over all the heavens neither will any pretend serve the turn to cover our cowardice which we call modesty in not daring to say or expect this of the deity unless we expect this with infinite ardency we are a lazy kind of creatures good for nothing tis man's holiness and glory to desire absolute perfection in god with a jealousy and care infinitely cruel for when we so desire it that without this we should be infinitely displeased and altogether lost and desperate for ever finding god to have exceeded all our desires it becometh the foundation of infinite love in the fruition of the fruits of which we are to live in communion with him for evermore eighty four your soul being naturally very dark and deformed and empty when extended through infinite but empty space the world serves you in beautifying and filling it with amiable ideas for the perfecting of its stature in the eye of god for the thorough understanding of which you must know that god is a being whose power from all eternity was prevented with act and that he is one infinite act of knowledge and wisdom which is infinitely beautified with many consequences of love etc being one act of eternal knowledge he knows all which he is able to know all objects in all worlds being seen in his understanding his greatness is the presence of his soul with all objects in infinite spaces and his brightness the light of eternal wisdom his essence also is the light of things for he is all eye and all ear being therefore perfect and the mirror of all perfection he hath commanded us to be perfect as he is perfect and we are to grow up into him till we are filled with the fulness of his godhead we are to be conformed to the image of his glory till we become the resemblance of his great exemplar which we then are when our power is converted into act and covered with it we being an act of knowledge and wisdom as he is when our souls are present with all objects and beautified with the ideas and figures of them all for then shall we be mentes as he is mens we being of the same mind with him who is an infinite eternal mind as both plato and cato with the apostle term him si deus es animus sit pura mente colendus if god as verses say a spirit be we must in spirit like the deity become we must the image of his mind and union with it in our spirit find heaven and earth angels and men god and all things must be contained in our souls that we may become glorious personages and like unto him in all our actions eighty five you know that love receives a grandeur of value and esteem from the greatness of the person from whom it doth proceed the love of a king is naturally more delightful than the love of a beggar the love of god more excellent than the love of a king the love of a beautiful person is more pleasing than that of one deformed the love of a wise man is far more precious than the love of a fool when you are so great a creature as to fill ages and kingdoms with the beauty of your soul and to reign over them like the wisdom of the father filling eternity with light and glory your love shall be acceptable and sweet and precious the world therefore serveth you not only in furnishing you with riches and making you beautiful and great and wise when it is rightly used but in doing that which doth infinitely concern you in making your love precious for above all things in all worlds you naturally desire most violently that your love should be prized and the reason is because that being the best thing you can do or give all is worthless that you can do besides and you have no more power left to be good or to please or to do anything when once your love is despised eighty six since therefore love does all it is able 
to make itself accepted both in increasing its own vehemence and in adorning the person of the lover as well as in offering up the most choice and perfect gifts with what care ought you to express your love in beautifying yourself with this wisdom and in making your person acceptable especially since your person is the greatest gift your love can offer up to god almighty clothe yourself with light as with a garment when you come before him put on the greatness of heaven and earth adorn yourself with the excellencies of god himself when you prepare yourself to speak to him be all the knowledge and light you are able as great as clear and as perfect as is possible so at length shall you appear before god in zion and as god converse with god for evermore eighty seven god hath made it easy to convert our soul into a thought containing heaven and earth not that it should be contemptible because it is easy but done because it is divine which thought is as easily abolished that by a perpetual influx of life it may be maintained if he would but suspend his power no doubt but heaven and earth would straight be abolished which he upholds in himself as easily and as continually as we do the idea of them in our own mind since therefore all things depending so continually upon his care and love the perpetual influx of his almighty power is infinitely precious and his life exercised incessantly in the manifestation of eternal love in that every moment throughout all generations he continueth without failing to uphold all things for us we likewise ought to show our infinite love by upholding heaven and earth time and eternity god and all things in our souls without wavering or intermission by the perpetual influx of our life to which we are by the goodness of all things infinitely obliged once to cease is to draw upon ourselves infinite darkness after we have begun to be so illuminated for it shows a forgetfulness and defect in love and it is an infinite wonder that we are afterward restored eighty eight this number is omitted in the original manuscript eighty nine being that we are here upon earth turmoiled with cares and often shaken with winds and by disturbances distracted it is the infinite mercy of god that we are permitted to breathe and be diverted for all the things in heaven and earth attend upon us while we ought to answer and observe them by upholding their beauty within but we are spared and god winketh at our defect all the world attending us while we are about some little trifling business but in the estate of glory the least intermission would be an eternal apostasy but there by reason of our infinite union with god it is impossible ninety we could easily show that the idea of heaven and earth in the soul of man is more precious with god than the things themselves and more excellent in nature which because it will surprise you a little i will what would heaven and earth be worth were there no spectator no enjoyer as much therefore as the end is better than the means the thought of the world whereby it is enjoyed is better than the world so is the idea of it in the soul of man better than the world in the esteem of god it being the end of the world without which heaven and earth would be in vain it is better to you because by it you receive the world and it is the tribute you pay it more immediately beautifies and perfects your nature how deformed would you be should all the world stand about you and you be idle were you able to create other worlds god had rather you should think on this for thereby you are united to him the sun in your eye is as much to you as the sun in the heavens for by this the other is enjoyed it would shine on all rivers trees and beasts in vain to you could you not think upon it the sun in your understanding illuminates your soul the sun in the heavens enlightens the hemisphere the world within you is an offering returned which is infinitely more acceptable to god almighty since it came from him that it might return unto him wherein the mystery is great for god hath made you able to create worlds in your own mind which are more precious unto him than those which he created and to give and offer up the world unto him 
which is very delightful in flowing from him, but much more in returning to him. Besides all which in its own nature, also a thought of the world, or the world in a thought, is more excellent than the world, because it is spiritual and nearer unto God. The material world is dead and feeleth nothing, but this spiritual world, though it be invisible, hath all dimensions, and is a divine and living being, the voluntary act of an obedient soul. 91. Once more, that I might close up this point with an infinite wonder, as among divines it is said, that every moment's preservation is a new creation, and therefore blessings continued must not be despised, but be more and more esteemed, because every moment's preservation is another obligation. Even so, in the continual series of thoughts, whereby we continue to uphold the frame of heaven and earth in the soul towards God, every thought is another world, to the deity as acceptable as the first. Yea, the continuance puts an infinite worth and lustre on them. For to be desultory and inconstant is the part of a fickle and careless soul, and makes the imagination of it worthless and despised. But to continue serious in upholding these thoughts for God's sake is the part of a faithful and loving soul, which as it thereby continues great and honourable with God, so is it thereby divine and holy, and every act of it of an infinite importance, and the continuance of its life transcendently esteemed. So that though you can build or demolish such worlds as often as you please, yet it infinitely concerneth you faithfully to continue them, and wisely to repair them. For though to make them suddenly be to a wise man very easy, yet to uphold them always is very difficult. A work of unspeakable diligence, and an argument of infinite love. 92. As it becometh you to retain a glorious sense of the world, because the earth and the heavens and the heaven of heavens are the magnificent and glorious territories of God's kingdom, so are you to remember always the unsearchable extent and unlimited greatness of your own soul, the length and breadth and depth and height of your own understanding, because it is the house of God, a living temple, and a glorious throne of the blessed Trinity, far more magnificent and great than the heavens, yea, a person that in union and communion with God is to see eternity, to fill his omnipresence, to possess his greatness, to admire his love, to receive his gifts, to enjoy the world, and to live in his image. Let all your actions proceed from a sense of this greatness. Let all your affections extend to this endless wideness. Let all your prayers be animated by this spirit, and let all your praises arise and ascend from this fountain. For you are never your true self till you live by your soul more than by your body, and you never live by your soul till you feel its incomparable excellency, and rest satisfied and delighted in the unsearchable greatness of its comprehension. 93. The world does serve you not only as it is the place and receptacle of all your joys, but as it is a great obligation laid upon all mankind, and upon every person, in all ages to love you as himself, as it also magnifieth all your companions, and showeth your heavenly Father's glory, yea, as it exalteth you in the eyes of the illuminate, and maketh you to be honoured and reverenced by the holy. For there is not a man in the whole world that knows God, or himself, but he must honour you, not only as an angel or a cherubim, but as one redeemed by the blood of Christ, beloved by all angels, cherubims, and men, an heir of the world, and as much greater than the universe, as he that possesseth the house is greater than the house. O oh, what a holy and blessed life would men lead, what joys and treasures would they be to each other, in what a sphere of excellency would every man move, how sublime and glorious would their estate be, how full of peace and quiet would the world be, yea, of joy and honour, order and beauty, did men perceive this of themselves, and had they this esteem for one another. 94. As the world serves you by shewing the greatness of God's love to you, so doth it serve you as fuel to ferment and increase your praises. Men's lips are closed because their eyes are blinded, their tongues are dumb because their ears are deaf, 
and there is no life in their mouths, because death is in their hearts. But did they all see their Creator's glory, which appeareth chiefly in the greatness of his bounty? Did they all know the blessedness of their estate? Oh, what a place full of joys! What an amiable region and territory of praises would the world become! Yea, what a sphere of light and glory! As no man can breathe out more air than he draweth in, so no man can offer up more praises than he receiveth benefits, to return in praises, for praises are transformed and returning benefits, and therefore doth God so greatly desire the knowledge of him, because God when he is known is all love, and the praises which he desires are the reflection of his beams, which will not return till they are apprehended. The world therefore is not only the temple of these praises, and the altar whereon they are offered, but the fuel also that enkindles them, and the very matter that composeth them which so much the more serves you, because it enkindles a desire in you that God should be praised, and moves you to take delight in all that praise him, so that as it incites yours it gives you an interest in others' praises, and is a valley of vision wherein you see the blessed sight of all men's praises ascending, and of all God's blessings coming down upon them. 95. The world serves you, as it teaches you more abundantly to prize the love of Jesus Christ, for since the inheritance is so great to which you are restored, and no less than the whole world is the benefit of your Saviour's love. How much are you to admire that person that redeemed you from the lowest hell to the fruition of it! Your forfeiture was unmeasurable, and your sin infinite, your despair insupportable, and your danger eternal. How happy are you, therefore, that you have so great a Lord, whose love rescued you from the extremest misery! Had you seen Adam turned into hell, and going out of this fair mansion which the Lord had given him into everlasting torments, or eternal darkness, you would have thought the world a glorious place which was created for him, and the light of Eden would have appeared in greater lustre than it did before, and his love by whom he was recovered the greatest jewel. It is a heavenly thing to understand his love, and to see it well. Had Adam had no esteem for the place to which he was restored, he had not valued the benefit of his restitution. But now looking upon it with those eyes wherewith noble men look upon their territories and palaces, when they are going to die, his mercy who died for him, that he after his condemnation might return again into his dear enjoyments, maketh him by whom they were purchased the best and greatest of all enjoyments. Darius, when he had conquered Babylon, by the art of Zopyrus, who cut off his nose and ears and lips, that making the Babylonians to confide in him, he might deliver up the city into the king's hands, admiring the fidelity and love of Zopyrus, protested that he had rather have won Zopyrus whole than ten Babylons. Even so we, were our spirits divine, and noble and genuine, should by the greatness of the benefit be excited above ourselves, and to exceed the gift in the love of our Saviour. Being afterwards asked upon the sight of a pomegranate slit in the midst, what thing he would above all other desire, might he have as many of them as there were seeds in that pomegranate, answered, Tot zopirorum, as many zopiruses. One Saviour is worth innumerable worlds. 96. The world is a pomegranate indeed, which God hath put into man's heart, as Solomon observeth in the Ecclesiastes, because it containeth the seeds of grace and the seeds of glory. All virtues lie in the world as seeds in a pomegranate, I mean in the fruition of it, out of which when it is sown in man's heart they naturally arise. The fidelity of Zopyrus and the love of Darius are included in it. For when we consider how great a Lord gave us so great a dominion, we shall think it abominable to be treacherous and unfaithful in the midst of his dominions. When we consider we cannot choose but sin if we sin at all, being surrounded with his gifts, and that the land we tread on is of his munificence, how can we err against him who gave it to us? Can we forsake him whose gifts we cannot leave? The whole world is better than Babylon, and at greater expense than Zopyrus' lips was it purchased for us. 
97. This visible world is wonderfully to be delighted in, and highly to be esteemed, because it is the theatre of God's righteous kingdom, who as himself was righteous, because he made it freely, so he made it that we might freely be righteous too. For in the kingdom of glory it is impossible to fall. No man can sin that clearly seeth the beauty of God's face, because no man can sin against his own happiness, that is, none can, when he sees it clearly, willingly and wittingly forsake it, tempter, temptation, loss and danger being all seen, but here we see his face in a glass, and more dimly behold our happiness as in a mirror. By faith, therefore, we are to live, and to sharpen our eye that we may see his glory, we are to be studious and intent in our desires and endeavours. For we may sin, or we may be holy. Holiness, therefore, and righteousness naturally flow out of our fruition of the world. For who can vilify and debase himself by any sin, while he actually considers he is the heir of it? It exalts a man to a sublime and honourable life. It lifts him above lusts, and makes him angelical. 98. It makes him sensible of the reality of happiness. It feeds him with contentment, and fills him with gratitude. It delivers him from the love of money which is the root of all evil. It causes him to reign over the perverse customs and opinions that are in the world. It opens his eyes and makes him to see man's blindness and errors. It sateth his covetousness, feedeth his curiosity, and pleaseth his ambition. It makes him too great for preferments and allurements. It causeth him to delight in retirement, and to be in love with prayer and communion with God. It lifteth him up above men's scandals and censures. It maketh him zealous of the salvation of all. It filleth him with courage on the behalf of God. It makes him to rejoice in a present, visible, immovable treasure, to which the rest of the world is blind, and strengthens his faith and hope of invisible. Yea, it makes him wise, and many invisible joys doth he see in this. Glory and dominion are invisible joys. And so is that great interest a man hath to all kingdoms and ages, which a true possessor of the world is more sensible of than of his houses and lands. It makes him meek in pardoning all injuries, because he is above the reach of all his enemies, and infinitely secure in the midst of his fruitions. How great a thing is the enjoyment of the world! How highly to be esteemed, and how zealously to be thirsted after, that eminently containeth all these! Verily it is a thing so divine and heavenly, that it makes vices and virtues almost visible to our very eyes. 99. Varus citeth two hundred and eighty-eight opinions of philosophers concerning happiness, they were so blind in the knowledge of it, and so different in their apprehensions. All which opinions fall in here, as all rivers fall into the sea, and agree together. Some placed happiness in riches, and some in honour, some in pleasure, and some in the contempt of all riches, honour, and pleasure, some in wisdom, and some in firm stability of mind, some in empire, and some in love, some in bare and naked contentment, some in contemplation, and some in action, some in rest, and some in sufferings, and some in victory and triumph. All which occur here, for here is victory and triumph over our lusts, that we might live the life of clear reason in the fruition of all riches, honours, and pleasures, which are by wisdom to be seen, and by love to be enjoyed in the highest empire, with great contentation, in solitude alone, in communion with all, by action and contemplation, attaining it by sufferings, and resting in the possession, with perfect victory and triumph over the world and evil men, or sin, death, and hell, maugre all the oppositions of men and devils. Neither angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, being able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 100. Felicity is the thing coveted of all. The whole world is taken with the beauty of it, and he is no man but a stock or stone that does not desire it. 
nevertheless great offence hath been done by the philosophers and scandal given through their blindness many of them in making felicity to consist in negatives they tell us it doth not consist in riches it doth not consist in honours it doth not consist in pleasures wherein then saith a miserable man doth it consist why in contentment in self-sufficiency in virtues in the right government of our passions etc were it not better to show the amiableness of virtues and the benefit of the right government of our passions the objects of contentment and the grounds of self-sufficiency by the truest means which these never do or they not to distinguish between true and false riches as our saviour doth between real and feigned honours between clear and pure pleasures and those which are muddy and unwholesome the honour that cometh from above the true treasures those rivers of pleasure that flow at his right hand for evermore are by all to be sought and by all to be desired for it is the affront of nature a making vain the powers and a baffling the expectations of the soul to deny it all objects and a confining it to the grave and a condemning of it to death to tie it to the inward unnatural mistaken self-sufficiency and contentment they talk of by the true government of our passions we disentangle them from impediments and fit and guide them to their proper objects the amiableness of virtue consisteth in this that by it all happiness is either attained or enjoyed contentment and rest ariseth from a full perception of infinite treasures so that whosoever will profit in the mystery of felicity must see the objects of his happiness and the manner how they are to be enjoyed and discern also the powers of his soul by which he is to enjoy them and perhaps the rules that shall guide him in the way of enjoyment all which you have here god the world yourself all things in time and eternity being the objects of your felicity god the giver and you the receiver End of the second century.